Welcome into Loho Daily. I am Lawrence Holmes, a.k.a. Loho. I've been off for the last week enjoying a vacation, a really nice vacation. Needed the time off, needed the break, and I'm glad that I got the break. But I will tell you that as I went on to break, I was so happy that I was on vacation because the first story that kind of got through my cocoon of vacation was DePaul getting hit with some penalties by the NCAA. And I knew that I was going to have to talk about it at some point. So I figured I would do it on the podcast where I could do it uninterrupted and uh, talk about all of this. Let me start from the beginning as far as DePaul goes for me. There are things that I have to say. Number one, um, I've loved DePaul basketball since I was four. It's really the first basketball team that first team that I ever identified with and I remember being at my grandmother's house on the south side and watching games on channel nine when DePaul was in its heyday I'm going to try really hard to not spend as much time thinking about DePaul in its heyday as I work my way through this podcast because all it does is, is make me sad the number two thing um, that I feel it's necessary that I tell you is I am an adjunct professor at DePaul University. So you can take my built-in biases from being someone who's loved DePaul for forever, someone who works there as an adjunct professor in in a, a position, quite honestly, that I found more fulfilling than pretty much anything else that I've done in my career is help helping to mentor young students who want to get into broadcasting. And the the third part of that is that I've spent the better part of a decade working on DePaul broadcast, hosting the coaches show, whether it was Jerry Wainwright or Oliver Purnell or Dave Lado, since for the most part, DePaul has been on the score and, and the score has been the quote unquote flagship for the radio station. So I, I want to make all of those disclaimers. And if you're like, hey, I want to jump out right now because he's got too many conflicts when it comes to talking about this story, you're more than welcome to to do that. And I respect you if that's how you feel. I will say that I also think that some of that stuff gives me some insight into this story in the program at large that is not that your average person who covers DePaul outside of the people that are on the beat, like Shannon Ryan, who's done an incredible job covering DePaul and particularly covering this story, uh, has great insight on it. So I'm not talking about people like that. I'm just saying like the people who are just kind of around DePaul basketball and only report on it when something terrible happens that's that's who I'm talking about. And I'm really not trying to point a finger because no one did anything wrong except for DePaul in, in this case. But I just wanted to at least let you know that I'm trying to look at this as fairly as possible. And I can admit that it might be more difficult for me to look at it fairly than other people. I wanted that caveat out there. Um, I'm doing the show from my office today, so there might be all sorts of weird sounds that happen. (laughs) There's a thunderstorm going on. There's a guy that's coming here to 
do some electrical work, all sorts of stuff. Let me get to what the NCAA said about this violation that that occurred. The the gist of it is DePaul's assistant head coach made it easy for the director of basketball operations to move in with the recruit to help get the recruit eligible. The recruit was done with high school, had not, well, I should probably, I'll just read it from their page. The men's basketball program recruited the student athlete who had graduated from high school but had not yet met NCAA initial eligibility requirements to help ensure the necessary coursework was completed. The committee said a former associate head coach arranged for assistant director of basketball operations to live with the prospect. The assistant director of basketball operations did not complete the prospect's coursework, but he monitored the recruit's progress limited his, his extracurricular activities and ensured tests were taken. The student athlete met eligibility requirements and were enrolled at the university because the arrangement was an impermissible recruiting benefit. The committee said the student athlete comp competed while ineligible. The arrangement also involved impermissible recruiting contact, which caused the men's basketball program to exceed the number of allowable coaches. The head coach did not promote an atmosphere of compliance because three men's basketball staff members knew about the arrangement but did not report the violation or question whether it was allowable, according to the committee. Even more troubling to the committee was the director of basketball operations stated he knew the contact was a violation but did not report it because he did not want to be disloyal, cause tension, get in the way of the associate head coach, or otherwise hurt his career. He also did not know how to report violations. The committee said the assistant director of basketball operations was also concerned for the future for his future and did not question the associate head coach's direction. According to the committee, a culture of silence pervaded the program. And here's a quote from the committee. The membership requires proactive engagement from head coaches as leaders of the program. The head coach created an environment where staff members did not report violations or consult with the compliance staff because he chose to remain silent. The head coach simply did not ensure a compliant program, close quote. So here are the punishments. And I know that there are some people who are like, well, does this mean that DePaul's ineligible for postseason play? No. In in the eyes of the NC, in, in the eyes of us who cover the NCAA, this is a slap on the wrist. So here's what DePaul got. Three years of probation, a three-game suspension for Dave Lato for the first three games of the season, a three-year show-cause order for the former associate head coach. During that period, any NCAA member school employing him must restrict him from any athletically-related duties unless it shows cause why the restriction should not apply. A vacation of records in which the men's basketball student-athlete competed while ineligible which kind of makes me laugh considering the time span that we're talking about here. It's not as if DePaul won a lot of big games, which I will talk more about in a second. The university must provide a written report containing the contest impacted to the NCAA media coordination and statistics staff within 45 days of the public decision release. Also, 
recruiting restrictions, including a reduction of six men's basketball recruiting person days during the 2017-2018 academic year self-imposed by the university, a reduction of six men's basketball recruiting days in April 2019 self-imposed, a $5,000 fine plus 1% of the men's basketball program budget. So it looks as if DePaul figured out what was going on and self-reported and then put some self-imposed sanctions in. Usually that's a way that you can um, steer off there being the the quote-unquote death penalty when it comes to accusations. DePaul broke the rules. We can get into a bigger conversation about the rules in a second. But they broke the rules and they deserve to be punished under the rules of the NCAA. I, for one, think the NCAA overall is a little bit of a scam. I I think that they don't have a lot of teeth when it comes to enforcement. And depending on how big and powerful your program is, whether it's a football program or basketball program, like Arizona or Kansas or whomever else you want to talk about, because of their lack of subpoena power, I think it it makes it very difficult for them to do a job. And I can envision a future where the NCAA doesn't exist. I I can envision it happening fairly quickly, especially when it comes to the, the football side of things. But DePaul broke the rules, and because of that, they should be punished. I guess the bigger question is, is if the NCAA is saying that Dave Lato and DePaul didn't didn't have a grasp of what was going on, the institutional control idea, what does that mean? Does that mean that DePaul, does it mean that that things have been so bad that, that there needs to be questions about leadership of the basketball program and the athletic department overall. And I think that anyone who has a criticism about DePaul basketball and the way that it is handled, I think it has fair criticisms. It's for those of us who have been fans of DePaul basketball, it's been ugly. I can't even really honestly remember when it hasn't been ugly outside of, Dave's first tenure, when things were looking up and they were going to postseason tournaments, I was at the CBI game this year. I was I was at that final, and it was fun or whatever, and I, and I was happy that they were a team that was around twenty wins. But the reason that they were was because of of, of them being a five hundred team, which is fine. I think there are a lot of DePaul fans that quite honestly would love to see DePaul in a position to just make the NIT. Like the CBI is, it was a fun atmosphere to have the game on campus or whatever, but it's, it still sucks. Like it's still, and part of the reason that it sucks is we, we do, those of us that do remember DePaul as a juggernaut, it hurts, but I will tell you this, and I've been trying to tell people this for years. We need to let that go. That doesn't matter anymore. DePaul's history doesn't matter in today's climate. The name doesn't mean anything. 
to these students that they are recruiting and they have a great recruiting class coming up. It means something to us. A fan of a certain age, it absolutely means something to us. But I will tell you, from me talking, me teaching over the last eight years at DePaul, when it comes to my students who are all kind of sports crazy and want to go into sports broadcasting or sports journalism, they don't care about DePaul basketball, the men's team. They care about the women. They care about some of the other sports that have been very successful under Gene Linty Ponsetto's uh, leadership as athletic director, but they don't care about men's basketball. And I don't know if that's ever going to change. And I think it's, it is a massive problem for DePaul. I, I think there are other things too that, that are, are problematic. Um, but I was glad to see this past year because I thought that the way that Wintrust was going to work was the student section, quote unquote, was going to be in the like 200 level. But luckily, uh, the kids have done a nice job of the games that they have come out being right behind one of the baskets. And I think they've made for a nice atmosphere in, in some of the games that ha- have happened at, at Wintrust Arena. The bigger issues with DePaul basketball is do you have leadership that's good enough to win? I know that there are some DePaul fans, and I have talked to them, that have said that they wish DePaul would. DePaul needs to join a lesser conference. Like, they should be in the Missouri Valley Conference. And I will tell you that that is idiotic. Why in the world? Would DePaul turn away the money that the conference gets by being in the Big East? Furthermore, why would they leave a conference of like-minded schools? Look up and down the Big East. Every school in the Big East is pretty much DePaul in another city. St. John's is DePaul in New York. Marquette is DePaul in Milwaukee. And I would say the same thing if I were those teams. Like DePaul is Marquette in, in Chicago. DePaul is St. John's in Chicago. It, they're, they're in a conference of schools that are just like them, which I also think makes it really frustrating that they're not competing at the same level as some of the other schools. Look at what Marquette has done with their men's and women's program over the last couple of years. The amount of money that they have spent in comparison to DePaul, it, it, is, it is a frustrating thing when you look at their basketball operating budget versus DePaul's operating budget. I, I've always found Dave to be nice. I like Dave a lot. I think he's a smart guy. I don't know if anyone can save DePaul basketball, and I know that, that he is trying desperately, and maybe we are seeing that his that his staff, he and and the people that he chose to be on his staff are a bit overzealous uh, about that. Let me speak on the NCAA too. This particular infraction, I I don't know who the player is, but I have, I think, a really good suspicion on who the player is. And quite honestly, I don't want to put that player's business out in the street, but I will just say this. If the goal of the NCAA is to provide an educational resource 
because a player is a good athlete and then you have a case of an institution, in this case DePaul, helping that player become eligible, not by doing that. In the NCAA's own report, they have said that DePaul didn't do the work for this athlete. The athlete did the work. What DePaul did was provide structure in this case to help get the player eligible. Were the the steps that they took to do it, it it's a little extreme <laughs> having someone move in with the player. That's a little extreme to do it. But if if the end result is supposed to be someone who is both academically and athletically helped by the institution or by the NCAA, to me, this feels like a win-win. Now, does that mean that everyone, that DePaul should make this the way that they do business? No, clearly this gives them an unfair advantage because you have someone from DePaul staying with the student and helping get them. But if the end result is another kid who gets the opportunity to go to college, it's hard for me to be mad. <laughs> I'm just being as honest with you as I can be. It's hard for me to be mad at DePaul because they were trying to help a, a young man get to college. Now, the cynical and the right question is, would DePaul be trying to get this person into college if they couldn't play basketball? And the answer is probably no, although... In some academic situations, there are programs that are provided, not just at DePaul, but like the Bridge Program, for example, is an opportunity for students who maybe didn't. And I've seen Bridge Programs at a lot of different schools that didn't do their best academically in high school, but would benefit from a program like that where they, they are, their academics are focused on. So it's... It's hard for me to be mad at DePaul for this particular particular infraction. And if I seem um, like I'm not taking it seriously as a quasi-academic, as I like to call myself, then I, again, I accept that criticism. And I think that that is a fair criticism for you to levy against me. What I think makes me mad and makes pretty much every DePaul fan mad is that there hasn't been an opportunity there's never it's never felt like even in Dave's second tenure here that they were in a position to really truly compete and and that's where I'm stuck right now as a as a fan of this university and its academic mission as a fan of this basketball team I'm stuck sitting here going even when they try to do it, the, if if we want to use the word cheat, even when they try to cheat, like they can't, like they're still not quite getting it right. And I don't, I, when it comes to college athletics, I almost feel like when I talk to fans or listen to fans gripe about their team, everyone always wants to be cleaner than their other team uh an alabama fan can point at at uh, uh an auburn fan and be like well, we do it the right way a georgia fan can point at alabama and go no, no 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 we do it right way we don't do it like they do it 
with their slimy coaches and da 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 Everyone wants to be holier than thou when it comes to their program. But quietly, we whisper to each other, do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes to win. The, it, it's funny because the 25th anniversary of Blue Chips just, you know, it just passed. And we would prefer that things were like that, where we want our team to cheat to win. The Eddie Guerrero spirit lives in all of us. As long as they don't get caught. And if they do get caught, we will wrap ourselves around the university's colors and the university flag and say the NCAA was out to get us. And maybe maybe they are. I mean, their job is enforcement. You know, <laughs> like they, they actually are supposed to be out to get anyone who breaks their rules. But their rules, I, I think, are often the way that they go about trying to adjudicate the rules is archaic and behind the times. The NCAA has a very small staff. They are, they are understaffed, and a lot of their rules are very silly, and they continue to be silly to me um, overall. And again, that's why I think that at some point the NCAA will no longer be a part of college sports, and the money will dictate that it's not. But everyone wants to try and keep a, a, a level playing field and i i get that too that that there are some people who do believe in the purity of the the student athletes in revenue generating sports which is an important distinction that that they be on the up and up as far as their the competition be between the universities i'm i'm disappointed i i'm kind of like any other depaul fan where it's like what else like what else do we have to endure as fans of of this particular team? And is there ever going to be a point where we feel like it's moving in the right direction? And I look over the last couple of years and I've seen some pretty impressive players come through this program. And it's still like, you know, say what you want and you can make fun of Max Drews if you want. Max Drews is at least getting looks in the NBA. Like you had an an NBA level player, you had a couple of players that were pretty good, maybe not great players, but pretty good. And still, there was something that was keeping them from competing. And and it just seems like whether it's it's Lato or Oliver Purnell or Wayne Wright, all men that I really really like, no one has been able to save this program. And I'm not sure what to do with my fandom because of it. I mean, it's my alma mater. It's the first team that I ever loved. And it's hard for me to completely turn my back on it, especially because I've actually had students in my class from the DePaul program. It's hard to not root for those kids. It's, it's really hard to not root for those kids. You want them to do well. But the down cycle for DePaul basketball's last is so long, so long that it just feels like no one can save us. Like no one can can come in and get this thing where it wants to be. Like I, I know that there is a contingent of DePaul fans that are really unhappy with Gene Lindsey Ponsetto, and I understand why. When you look at the rest of the programs at DePaul, DePaul women's team, Doug Bruno has done such an incredible job. You can pretty much lock in DePaul's women or going to the NCAA tournament. And you can advance them a line almost every year. 
DePaul softball team has been tremendous over the last 25 years. DePaul's track team, DePaul's tennis team, DePaul soccer is producing pros. Like all of this stuff, and yet the DePaul men's basketball team, the the real, the only real revenue generating sport uh, that DePaul has to hang its hat on. And I know the women generate some revenue in softball is becoming a revenue generating sport around college sports, not necessarily at DePaul, but it's becoming a thing, which is incredible. And I think great. They just seem to never be able to get it right. And I'm, I'm not sure what to do. I, I'm not sure if the program needs clear eyes to, to look at this whole thing and try to figure out what's happening. I'm not sure if, if JLP should be in charge of everything but men's college basketball, considering the success rate of everything else at, at DePaul Athletics. If you need some sort of like basketball czar to take over men's basketball and try to get it back into the winning ways. I am sure that them leaving them not being in the Big East would be them being in the Big East is not a mistake. I think that that is a, a smart move. And one of the reasons why uh, JLP is still in power, because she brought a significant, significant revenue to DePaul basketball without DePaul men's basketball being good. You talk about them being on TV, they're on Fox Sports One. All of their games are on television. And if they went to the Valley or whatever other you know conference that you want to put them in, if you want to put them in the Atlantic 10 or whatever else, that's not going to be the case. And it's not going to strengthen who DePaul is. But I'm at a loss. Like I'm at a complete loss with this. And it just made me shake my head and go, really? Like even... As down as we are as a program, and I know that Dave's got some great recruits coming in, but I hear this all the time. I hear this all the time about the resurgence of DePaul basketball and the way that they are recruiting. I, I'm, I'm in a prove it mode right now. I, it's, it's hard for me to just take anyone's word that things are just going to automatically be better because DePaul's got really good recruits coming in. Someone needs to show me. You know, that that needs to be a thing. And and I understand and respect everyone else's frustration when it comes to this. I don't know. I I shake my head a lot when it comes to DePaul. I take the, the jokes. I get that there's a lot of DePaul has become a very easy punchline for anyone. And I'm sure that there'll be people when I tweet this out, they'll say stuff like, who cares? I do. And I know that there are plenty of DePaul basketball fans that do, too. But I, I do know that I I know that I wanted to be uninterrupted today when I talked about them. I didn't want to do it on the show because I knew that I would talk for 30 minutes nonstop about this. And I didn't want anyone to get in my way when I discussed it. So that's what I think. That's that's kind of where I'm at. Um, feel free to share this with whomever. I I feel... I feel really bad for I feel bad for the student that is stuck in between and the student who wants to go to college and is trying to figure out a way to go to college because they are athletically gifted. I want to make sure that that student gets the opportunity that they want to do it. I also want to make sure that that student that is on the on the edge 
And I know that in some cases, DePaul has gotten rid of some testing requirements. I want to make sure that that student gets in too. The one that isn't necessarily athletically inclined, but has something to gain and be gained by being a part of, of a university culture. Uh, in many respects, I'm very proud of what DePaul University does. And I'm very proud to have been associated with it as a student, as an alum, and now as someone who, who works uh, in the communications department. I'm very proud of what we are trying to accomplish. As a fan of men's basketball, it has been a hard slog through a lot of mess. And this is just another kind of chapter of that. And I hope that we can get out of it. I hope that DePaul can get out of it. But I'm not optimistic. And there's no reason for me to be optimistic. And I, I don't know if I, I want to hear anything from anyone involved in DePaul Athletics about why I should be optimistic until they actually prove it. So that's what I have to say about it. You can hit me up with your thoughts on it too, if you wish. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow.